Welcome to Panther Paris, the podcast where we're supposed to talk Panthers hockey, but sometimes we don't. Here are your hosts, Alex Lopez, Jake Langsam, and TJ Peterson. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Panther Paris. Uh, I'm leading us in tonight. My name is Alex Lopez. With me, as always, is TJ Peterson and Jacob Langsam. Joining us tonight, we have Anthony Chandra from Expected Buffalo. He hosts the Expected Buffalo pod. And obviously, he's a Buffalo Sabres fan. And he, we're going to talk about the game coming up this week, where both teams are in the standings, all of that fun stuff that's been going on this year. But uh, Anthony, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty well, Alex. Thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. We're excited to have you. It's been my, too long. <laughs> as my son makes a podcast appearance for the first time in a while. Hey, what's up, Hi, buddy? That's his second one of those, by the way. It's a busy, busy podcast. Got five people. Yeah, we got five people. Well, actually, technically six if you include Zane, my there wife's go. Oh, congrats, man. Thank That's you. great. Good for you. Thank you. Is this the podcast announcement that you're expecting a second? I mean, I guess I'm, I might have mentioned it before, but I mean, she's doing I don't think you mentioned it on the pod before. That's okay. so cool. Good for yeah. you, man. My my wife is due. We actually, because it's going to be a C-section, we got to pick the due, the due date. And she's, oh, that's doing neat. May. she's doing May, and I'm a Star Wars nerd. So, what day do you think we picked? You picked May the fourth, fourth, didn't you? May nice. the fourth. That doesn't oh, that suck. Was... That's pretty cool. <laughs> Unfortunately, she did not let me name the kid Luke as I wanted to. But, <laughs> that's um, pretty funny. But yeah, uh, assuming everything goes well, May the May the fourth. Um, Good for you, man. That's great. Yeah, but we, we our... women the second, say that's expecting. the second best announcement that we're going to be making in the next seven days. <laughs> That's a hint, everybody. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. <laughs> I love when women say they're expecting. Expecting whom exactly? Lovely, <laughs> uh, DJ. Just to jump right into it, I mean, we've got a big game between the Panthers and the Sabres. Before we talk about the game itself, I kind of want to talk about where you feel the Sabres are. I mean, they had a big game last night against the Leafs where they promptly were down 3 nothing, like 45 seconds into the game. Uh, just – Anthony, for our listeners who haven't followed Buffalo as much as you have, obviously, just give us an overview of where Buffalo is this year, what you think they're doing, and uh, how you think the season's gone. Yeah, so the Sabres are a really interesting team. Um, coming into the season, uh, Chad and I both had them in the mid to low 80s range uh, in terms of where we thought they would finish uh, in the standings. And they've kind of beaten that trajectory every step of the way, right? With the very early season losing streak, notwithstanding, right? So, I mean, if you take that out of the equation, they'd basically be tied with the Rangers, I think, um, in the East. So they had an eight game losing streak, like kind of to kick off the year. It was a real big bummer, but they've played very, very well ever since. And um, streaky at times, for sure. And uh, that's kind of the hallmark of a young team like Buffalo. They're the youngest team in the NHL. And if you remove Craig Anderson from the equation, they're the youngest by over a year, which is kind of crazy. Um, so, yeah, so um, they're they're making progress. They're probably further along than most uh, prognosticators, myself included, would have would have thought. Um I think everyone's kind of shifted their focus now toward, oh, my God, it's been 12 years. Like, are they actually going to make the playoffs? Like, can this actually happen? Uh, because, you know, to, to a lot of people, this reminds them of the basically if if the season before 0506 didn't have a lockout, like what the Sabres would have been right. Young up and coming team coming off of years and years of, of strife and, and failure. 
And so it's it's refreshing. It's cool. It's it's great that um, the the major contributions are coming from the young core, and not you know they're not riding on the back of like a hot season by Kyle Oposo or something, right? No, it's it's like meaningful <laughs> contribution from from you know everybody from Darlene Thompson, Cousins, Paterka, Quinn, right? Even the rookies like Owen Power getting involved, right? So uh, very very exciting time to be a Sabres fan. They have some kinks to work out, but. Uh, Man, this is the latest they've been legitimately in the playoff conversation since probably 2011. Yeah, I, I think it's fair to say that the Buffalo Sabres are one of the more pleasant surprises of the year in the entire mm-hmm. NHL. Like exactly like you said, it, they're not riding the age; they're riding the youth, which is what you want in a rebuild. I mean, just because I'm a Panthers fan and I gotta you know throw a little cold water on you, mm-hmm. I gotta point out Sabres have played have gone to OT 11 times this year. So essentially 20% of their games go to OT. That's a that's a lot of points that, you know, that really aren't there in playoffs. And I think they're also like 1-7-1 and one against the top six teams in the East. So it's it to me, it seems like exactly what a young team should be doing in terms of growth, that like they're, they're beating up the teams that are clearly worse than them. They're not dropping bad points. But when they play those upper, upper echelon teams, they struggle. Mm-hmm. But again, like, so like, you know, the Sabres are right there in the wild card race. They actually have a better points percentage than the Panthers, but I don't no, think no, they're. No, no, no. We're, we don't talk about that. Uh, <laughs> no, well, let, let's be the honest. The Panthers are ahead of the Sabres in the standings, and that's the end of that sentence. <laughs> I, I'm just saying with all of the extra OT games that the Sabres have played, I think personally, I think they're about five to six points higher than they should be. So I have, I have a question. So I, I don't know that I exactly follow what you're saying there. I mean, they, they've only got four overtime losses, so uh, they're not collecting many loser points. So uh, are you saying just the fact that they went to overtime? Yeah, when they when you go to overtime so much, and it's just a coin flip. Like, hmm. how you do an overtime is a coin flip. Like, last year, the Panthers were, like, some insane. It was, like, 11-1 and one in the in OT and, and the shootout. And this year, they're, like, 2-10. and 10. It's it's once you get once you get out of five on five play, it's kind of a coin flip and it's all random. That's okay. my thought process on it, especially when you get to the shootout. So, yeah, it, it's it's just one of those things. I, I think OT is a bit random. It was a critique for the Panthers last year where they were winning all these OT games. And you're right. The, I mean, but at the same time, the Panthers finished that like what well, they had it like 122 points last season, something insane. Yeah, so, yeah guess, they were I they guess, were up there. It was a big critique of the Panthers last year, all the times they went to OT. But I guess there is a major difference in that the Panthers last year at five on five were also really good. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, and and that's what I'm trying to say is like, as a Buffalo Sabres fan, obviously I'm not going to tell you how to think. You you know the team better than I. I'm just saying as an outsider, it seems like a team that's finally figured it out and building the right way. But I also don't think you're as close as the standings say you are, but not by much. But I just think that, you know, when you get going to OT and getting there that often, like it's just inflating that point total just a little bit. Either way, I'd still be looking to buy in the offseason because I think next year's team can be scary good with the right moves. Yeah, I mean, one more year of development for, like I said, the the youngest team in the league would be huge. They've got a ridiculous amount of cap space to work with. They have three second round picks they can play with in terms of a trade. Um, yeah, I mean, they have they have a ton of flexibility. Uh, I'll be interested to see if they make a, 
I'm I'm going to say a conservative addition, right, at the trade deadline, um, because uh, there's been a lot of rumblings that they're kind of sniffing around all these second to third pairing type defensemen, right? Um, not much on the forward front, which is kind of okay for a team that scores a ridiculous amount of goals. Um, I think they're what second only to Boston in the Atlantic. Maybe actually Florida has more now, but um, they're they're one of the best offensive teams in, in the division and. Uh, they are argu- arguably one of the worst uh, defensive teams. So they, they could definitely use some fortification on the blue line. Uh, so I, I would hope to see them add someone of significance there. But uh, other than that, yeah, I mean, a lot of the work is going to be done this coming summer. I don't think anyone, even in the organization, anticipated you know that at this point in the year, they'd be so, so close to a playoff spot and, and still very much in contention. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see kind of how they navigate uh, maybe unexpected territory. Yeah, I mean, I, I think... Unexpected by whom? <laughs> We're just going to keep setting up that joke. The I love it. Night, guys. <laughs> I, That's the bit today. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think the, the right target for the Sabres at the deadline is what the Rangers did last year. Spend a lot of low-tier assets, mm-hmm. even if there's some of them rentals, but like when you're trading, you know, fourth, fifth-round picks, like those very rarely hurt you. You very rarely look back and say, oh, I wish we had held on to this fourth round pick rather than getting a rental at the deadline. Yeah. What does a fourth round pick have like a 10% propensity to play 200 or more NHL games? Like they're, they're, I think it's they're darts, man. Yeah. yeah. They're, I'm they're sorry. Darts. Jamie Ben was a fourth round pick. Oh man. Yeah. I know. Tom Brady was a sixth rounder. <laughs> Obviously, I know. Yeah. yeah Mackenzie Weger was a seventh round pick guys. Every guy has Jamie massive. Ben. Yeah. Victor Olofsson, 30 goal scorer. He was, a, he was a seventh rounder. I know. I know. Everybody's got their Kenzie Weger, future yep. Hall of Famer. <laughs> yeah, so it, it, it's yeah, I think that would be the right move. I mean, if somehow they can get in on the Jacob Chikrin sweepstakes or or even Timo Meyer, yeah, like, then you then you bring out the first round picks and top prospects. But like, I think you if you show the room, hey, you know, we'll give you guys a a shot, but like we're not gonna you know we're not going to get Patrick Kane and you know spend a first round pick. I don't want Pat Kane. <laughs> Even as a Buffalonian, I don't want him. Uh, he's, there's he's a lot done, of Buffalonians man. that don't want him, and yeah, they drive taxis. <laughs> it's part of it. Um, I got the uh, the guy that I think Buffalo should be after because he's young. He's the profile of defenseman that you're talking about, and I think that he's a bit of an analytical darling. Maybe mm. I'm wrong about this because I don't think I've. Radko really dug deep on this. Jake Wallman <laughs> in Detroit is a pending UFA, but he's only like 27. He's yeah. right-handed. And that's a guy that they could, you know, put right into their rebuild to kind of accelerate things. But at the same time, like, are you really giving him like five by five? It's Jake Wallman. I didn't even know who that was prior to this year. I, you know, I everybody here knows how closely I follow hockey. Yeah, yeah I, I think the only problem you have there for, for a couple of reasons, like you said, the extension, right? They'd have to be very certain they want to make that um, financial commitment. And and secondly, Detroit is kind of right up both our rear ends here in this wild card race. So maybe they're not looking to deal him away, right? Because I would say yeah, it's, not even, it's not even arguably he's been their best defenseman this year. Like, I don't know that you're willing to do that. I mean, if we're talking about teams that are fraudulent, 
The conversation oh, does not I know. start with Buffalo for me. It Here's does not. Thing, but we're 56 it, it games into it, man. We're. I, yeah. I agree that that their their underlyings do not match their results. However, it's 56 games into the year, and they're still in the thick of it. They have I the mean, third toughest schedule remaining of any team in the league. So who's got the second? Oh, that's Buffalo. Good, cool. All right. <laughs> I mean, speaking of tough schedule remaining, Sabers are in the midst of what's going to be a three game and four night stretch. They uh they got what Tampa tomorrow, right, Anthony? Yep, Tampa tomorrow, Florida after that, and then on Sunday they have Washington. Oh, so it's the it's the oh, even better four and six game stretch. The Panthers have had a lot of those, so we feel your pain. Yeah, and then it's a one and four and a one and six on, for the Panthers. We are not planning on alle- alleviating your pain. Well, the thing is, it, it, it's even worse actually because we had the uh, storm that dropped like eight feet of snow on us, and we had three games canceled because they had a home stretch during oh. that storm. That's why we have so many games in hand on everybody. Yeah. Like we have five games in hand on the Panthers because we had three of them literally canceled in the month of December. Let's stay there for a second because everyone keeps talking like, oh. Games in hand, games in hand. Like it's so much, it's so great. We have games in hand. It's a blessing and a curse. Yeah, because you can see, like, you know, I'm five points back, and five, you know, I've got five games in hand. Mm-hmm. But that means you got to play a lot of hockey in a short amount of time, and you also need to win those games in hand for them to actually matter. That's such a great point, Alex. Because I, I think people too often chalk up the games in hand as wins, right? Where it's just like, yeah, we're we're eight points back. We have five games in hand. It's like, yeah, you have to win four of those five if you want to catch up. Then, like, that's that's not an easy lift, right? So, I think in in the Saber situation, it's on average with in terms of what they're behind. I mean, if you pick up, I don't know, three out of every five points the rest of the way, you're probably in good shape. So, it's not as dire as that. However, um, it's not an easy thing to do. Winning sixty percent of your of your you know potential points is not an easy thing to do in the NHL. So. Um, it, it'll be interesting. It'll definitely test the metal of this young team here because, you know, they, they've talked about it. They want to push for the playoffs. They want to make it this year. They, they feel that, you know, they, 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 you know, I think Kevin Adams wants to reward this team for kind of exceeding expectations, but they're going to have a tough road ahead, man. There's no getting around it. Tough schedule, com- consolidated schedule at that. And you're kind of up against a lot of teams with a lot of playoff experience and, and, they have experienced in these kind of tight stretches, right? Like you got Florida, Washington, Pittsburgh, like the, even New York Islanders, like they they've all been in this situation before. Right. And this is really uncharted territory for Buffalo. Yeah. So um, my, my hope is that they stay in it as long as humanly possible. And if they get in, awesome i don't care if they get thumped for nothing by the bruins in the first round like i don't i just need to see some playoff hockey um because uh my, my wife and i's first date was the last sabers game the uh last sabers playoff game and that was 2011 so um That's we have so two cute. we have two children now so it's been a minute <laughs> yeah, I, I just took a quick look at the sabers remaining schedule seven games against non-playoff teams it's not great man it's it's it's, it's tough I mean, just the next five alone, it's Tampa, Panthers, Capitals, Blue Jackets, Boston, Lightning, Oilers. And then it and it doesn't get any easier. Easier Islanders, Stars, Rangers, uh, Leafs, Capitals, and then Flyers. Yeah, it, 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 it's a, no, it's a buzzsaw. It's yeah, a buzzsaw. There, there's no, oh, we can win two or three in a row here because, you know, we got Columbus, Montreal, and then Columbus back to it. No, it's. It's everyone ahead of them. And like I said earlier, they're one seven and one against the top six teams in the East. Like 
Right. It, we're going to find out real quick if Buffalo has has what it takes to, you know, make it through. I mean, hey, we see it all the time, like in where it's like a team is just young enough and dumb enough to not realize the situation they're in it, and they go on a run. Right. It, it could happen. Especially the crazy with, yeah, sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was gonna say, especially with you know, future number one goalie Devin Levi joining the oh, roster within I can't the next wait. month or so. Uh, well, I'll get to that in a second. But the, the other interesting thing about the Sabres this year, you mentioned they're they're one six and one against those top teams. They can't win a game at home. So they're 17, 8, and 2 on the road this year, and 11, 15, and 2 at home. So for some reason, KeyBank Center is cursed this season. Uh, there, it's weird that a young team like that would be so much better on the road. I, I don't really get it, but um, you know, they, and they've swept both of their Western Conference trips this year, which has helped, right? But it's just a little odd. Um, but yeah, like you said, I mean, they they've struggled against top teams in the East, no doubt. They've handled the top teams in the West with relative ease, but we know the West is significantly weaker than the East this year, so it's not. Yeah totally crazy um but they're so much tougher anthony who said that i mean that's the thing i mean all the hockey men ryan burke, such, probably. yeah ryan burke Lou Lamarillo, that's funny. oh you mean uh, like physically Dale like yes, physically tough, tougher yeah. okay physically got it got it that's all oh. that matters anthony that's nice for them they're not as good at hockey though um <laughs> and it just so... got tougher with nikita zaitsev going to the west zadora oh, also oh. the the terrible z's and i do but... mean terrible I thought you were saying he got traded just now. I'm like, to whom? I don't know. Zadora was still out there. But yeah, Devin Levi, he's he's something, isn't he, man? He's so exciting. Uh, yeah, but Sam Reinhardt is also exciting. By the way, believe me, <laughs> I, you did not get the short end of the stick there. I mean, Sam Reinhardt rules. Uh, no, this is a very long stick. Everybody's got a lot of uh traction you know what though it's it's not often you have a trade like that where it is a legitimate win for both sides right like reinhardt was done here uh great player he he was probably uh save for eichel the best player on the team uh when he got traded and uh you know we got a a a very unknown goalie prospect and a a mid first round pick and it was kind of it it left kind of a sour taste right because reinhardt was a fan favorite i mean he's just that utility he he could do anything like there was no situation that was too big for him that you didn't want him on the ice for like he, he was just the most complete player on the team and it was a real bummer you know seeing him go under, under those circumstances but i i hope levi continues his trajectory because he's man he's been a revelation he wasn't completely i also unknown. appreciate that he's jewish Hey, there you go. I'm just Man. saying, he wasn't completely unknown. There was a certain podcast that absolutely yeah. loved him. I was gonna, he's, he's, he was you, unknown outside of Panthers. Wait, wait, you, you guys knew about your own your own prospects? That's crazy. I know, it's crazy how that works. <laughs> We're really on top of things. By the way, have you heard this guy, Jack Devine? He's yeah, I've be heard the him. next big thing. He's going to yeah, be yeah. a phenom. So Jake, I actually, where's he from? Uh, I believe he's from Glencoe, Illinois. Interesting. What were you saying, Anthony? So I was actually at the NHL Combine this year, and I, I saw Ooh. him get interviewed. Yeah. Uh, I actually think I got to ask him a question, which was cool, because I, you know, low-ranking member of media adjacent, just being there, like, sneaking in <laughs> questions where I could. So, uh, no, it was cool. I, I remember him specifically, though. Uh, he was 
impressive speaker, right? I mean, obviously it's a bunch of kids in gym shorts doing drills that don't ultimately matter. Like the fuck needs a vertical in the NHL, but um, still, still kind of cool to, uh, you know, see them and talk to them. I mean, Rutger McGrory, I became like a lifelong fan of his just because he is maybe the most charismatic pro athlete or at that point on the precipice of becoming pro uh that that i've ever encountered he's he was just hilarious he was like running the room just kind of had a presence about him and i was low-key rooting for the sabers to pick him uh middle of the first round but that didn't that didn't happen that's a name that i do not know rucker mcgrady yeah. oh man u.s development team round. man yeah he's, he's good five-star name he's right a winnipeg there. prospect yeah, yeah absolutely the- best name i mean there's a lot of great names entering the league nowadays it's it's really, really jagger Furcus. yes yeah, By the way, maybe the smallest pro athlete I've ever seen in person. Isn't that a defenseman also? What's that? Fergus? No, he, Fergus a def- no, no, he's a winger. Ah. But yeah, he he's he's skinny, man. Like that dude, maybe a buck forty, maybe. Like small, small guy. But hey, talented, can score goals. Guy's got a shot like a cannon. Yeah, you, we're you getting, what- I'm sure we're getting off topic here. Sorry. Panther three off topic, off topic never. never. <laughs> All right, Alex, let's let's pump the brakes there. Let, let's stop the synergy between you and I being off topic. Yeah, how dare we say the exact same thing? I am very excited for Friday because the Sabers get to be guinea pigs mm. for Anthony Duclair's return to the lineup. Probably. No, it's 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 guaranteed at this point. It has not been officially announced that he has been activated yet. So oh, they're, they're waiting until Friday for salary cap reasons. Fair. Uh, but until that is officially announced, I will continue using probablys. Alex, uh, he could always stub his toe on the way to the arena and miss the game. I mean, he could. <laughs> Duclair did practice um, with the team on the third line today. And Buffalo seems like it's going to be a fun team for Duclair's return. And Anthony, you you did actually, when you were describing the profile of the 22-23 Buffalo Sabres, uh, it sure sounded familiar. It sounded a hell of a lot like the Florida Panthers 22-23 profile of Mm. the high-octane offense, low-octane defense. So it seems like we could be in for a bit of a shootout on Friday. Not a literal shootout, uh, hopefully. Although with Buffalo getting to overtime so often, maybe. I don't know. With Duclair back, I think that game might be decided in overtime um, if it gets there. But um, yeah, so yeah. I mean, you guys curb stopped really us the last time we played. I think you won we what sure f- five to two or something. Yeah, it was over before it started. But um, yeah, it'll be a great game. I mean, it's two high event teams with inconsistent goaltending. I mean, they're they're aside from the fact that Florida has a very veteran established core and, and Buffalo is kind of the opposite um, in terms of how they perform this year and, and kind of, let's say uh, tactical profiles, they're, they're a little bit of the Spider-Man meme. So uh, it, mm-hmm. it, it's, you know, it, it's going to be, inter- it'll be an interesting game. Um, it's in Florida, which weirdly helps the Sabres because they're terrible on home ice. So I guess we'll see what happens. There'll That's be a lot true. of Buffalo fans there though. Just how it works down here. A lot of a lot of Buffalo fans down here, a lot of Ranger fans down here. I don't need to really tell the audience all the you know, well, that was fan base. That was the here. whole logic behind Florida as a team, right? To attract the snowbirds. Yeah, who grow had, the who, game. You know, Gary Bennett's right. thing oh, is for sure, been, for sure. Like, grow the game. 
But I think that was one of the main selling points of Sunrise was that, you know, they, they would get out of town fan bases, which is, I guess, unique, right? I think it, I actually think that's kind of neat about teams like Florida, um, where you get a little bit more of a mix like that. The only time the Sabres ever have opposing fans in the arena is, is if it's a Canadian team and because they hop over the border and it's someone from Montreal. It was crazy. I went to a Sabres Canadians game and a Canadians fan was sitting next to me and it's about 50 50 split uh, Sabres Montreal games, right? In terms of who's in the arena. And I asked him, I'm like, you know, you guys, it's eight hour, it's an eight hour drive away. You know, why do you come all this way? He's like, do you realize that I could pay for gas, lodging for the night in Buffalo, tickets in the club level and like, et cetera, et cetera, for the price of one ticket to a Montreal Canadiens game? I'm like, oh, my God, like that's wild. So I guess it's just a major cost savings uh, to just hop in the car, drive eight hours to Buffalo and take in a game. Yeah, we, we can tell you the same story. It's we've heard the same thing. It's cheaper to hop out a plane, fly here, get a hotel Go, and sit you know sit in the club level for what mm-hmm. it costs for like upper deck in montreal like it's crazy yeah yeah so it, it's one of those things those fan bases try well i mean the atlantic division makes no sense geography wise with you know, <laughs> the panthers and lightning basically hundreds of miles or thousands of miles or whatever it is away yeah from. being closer to the gulf of mexico don't forget yeah. that's so funny it, it's just absurd the way they made the division but yeah um, just to mention, what, to recap earlier, you had said the uh, Panthers are up 2-0 on the Sabres so far this year. Four, they have a 4-1 win back in January mm-hmm. in Buffalo and a 4-3 win the second game of the season also in Buffalo. So the remaining two games with the Sabres will be in South Florida, which I guess is a good thing for Buffalo because, like you said, that they've been road warriors this year. Yeah. But it's also a good thing for the Panthers because, like, the Panthers, I think, are sub-500 at home on the road. And yeah, well above 500. Yeah, they're they're polar opposites. So Panthers are 16, 8, and 3 at home and 13, 17, and 3 in on the road. So yeah, it's they're definitely a stronger home side. So we'll 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 see. You know, I mean, I I think it's fair to say Friday is a bit of a schedule loss for Buffalo in the sense that you know, third game in four nights, that's a lot of that's a lot you know, young legs, but it's still a lot of hockey to play in a short period of time. And the Panthers will be well rested for the first time when what seems like two months mm-hmm. so uh panthers definitely have an upper hand when it comes to rest home ice and all that fun stuff but we'll see how it goes um i would say else? number two goalie because like you said it is a back-to-back but i mean with with buffalo's tandem i don't know who the number one goalie really is so so i could tell you this i'll give you my take i think you're gonna see eric comrie uh oh actually that's not true because you've got Tampa before Conry. <laughs> you've got Tampa um, before them, actually, because it's a back-to-back, if I'm not mistaken. So Comrie will play against Tampa, and then you'll get you'll get Lukanen, is my guess, who has been kind of a coin toss in terms of how well he plays. He, I mean, he can have games where he looks like Dominic Hasek and then games where it's like, oh, my God, this is a men's league goalie. So uh, it's a young netminders. They all grow at their own pace, so I'm not too concerned about him yet. But uh yeah, he, he's a little bit of a coin toss in terms of what you get. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how he fares in a game that has massive playoff implications. It's a four-point swing. So, I, I mean, they got to show up. Barkov is a big fly-the-finish-flag guy. So mm. I I wonder if those guys know each other and uh, Lucan and Dust will be motivated to perform oh. against the Panthers. And, you know, they do have all the other Finns as well. Lundell, Lusterinen. And there's some other guys that like are in and out of the lineup, AHL, 
you got uh, Alexi Hapaniami, for example. Right. Yeah, you guys do have a, you have a lot of Finnish players. It's like the Sabres with Swedes. Well, with the way the Panthers have made backup goalies look basically in their history, but especially this year, uh, I'm expecting a, you know, 40 save performance from Luka. Uka Pekka Lukanen? That's it. Uka Pekka Lukanen. He's the one. It's been one of my favorite names in the NHL since like 2016. Uka Pekka doo. <laughs> Please tell me that's a thing. One of, one Please of my tell me that's a thing in Buffalo. It's not. It's not. You need um, to make it one. Well, you should make so it. his you his his two nicknames are are UPL and Six K because there are six Ks in his name between Uko <laughs> Pekka and Lukanen. Six K is a pretty good nickname. Yeah, Anthony. One of my one of my favorite things to do, or one of one of my former favorite things to do when I first found out who Uko Pekka Lukanen was, uh, was to take like a, all my casual hockey fan friends. Yeah who aren't like into prospect pools, Mm -hmm. uh, I would tell them the name of Buffalo's up and coming prospect goalie and have them guess where the first name stopped. (laughs) That's funny. I like it. (laughs) Most people thought it was Uko Pekalukinen. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's it's crazy. Yeah, it's so Uko hyphen Pekka. Yeah, that's, that's a fun game you can play with the with the casual hockey fan. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Not a lot of hyphenated first names in hockey, like John Michael Lyles no. and like Jean Luc Grandpierre. Like I can't think of many others. That's anyway, the only one I can think of in the league right now. Pierre Luc Dubois. I don't oh. know if he's hyphenated. She's from Montreal Canadian. Maybe. Was uh, was J.S. Jaguar hyphenated? John oh, maybe. Um, real Welcome quick, I do, I do want to uh, make a quick trip around the NHL. Well, staying in the Atlantic, uh, we just got a trade came down about an hour before we started recording. Nikita Zaitsev traded to Chicago for with a second and fourth round pick, basically a complete salary dump. One of the worst defensemen in the NHL on one of the worst contracts in the NHL gets moved. Am I the only one who thought that Ottawa like absolutely won that deal. I thought for sure they'd have to give up a first round pick to dump a guy with a full year left and six million in real money left to go. I I think this is just a win for Chicago. It doesn't matter necessarily if they didn't get full value. Like they should be doing this as much as they possibly can. Like it it helps them so much. Like they get worse. They get closer to the floor. It's just a it's just a total win for them in every way, you know, and, and they get the assets to to improve their situation. I yeah. I I disagree. I think when you have an asset that bad, you got to get the first round pick for it, especially when there's so much precedent in the past. Well, they won the sweepstakes because they don't have to retain any salary. It doesn't take up one of their like salary retention spots. Like there's not really opportunity cost here. They're not close to the cap. So they should be maybe undercutting all the value that they could get, they, like the maximum value they could get. Fine. But like ultimately, you're wasting opportunity cost if you don't make these kind of trades as much as you possibly can if Fair. you're that kind of team. If they were closer to the, the cap you know, ceiling, I would, I would maybe say, no, they should have gotten a first round pick because they limited their ability to do this in the future but i really don't think they did because you know kane and taze are about to get either gone or significant pay cuts uh it's it's a total win-win you know the senators didn't really give up as much as they probably should have 
But at the same time, Alex, I do go back to kind of what you were saying about their moves in the offseason. It's like, why is Ottawa shedding draft picks now? Like, they're not in a winning situation. Like, let's not even discuss the fact that they're not a good team. Look at that division. You got Tampa, you got Toronto, and you got the best team in the NHL above both of them. Like, why are you making a move to be better right now? It doesn't make sense. Why are you shedding draft picks? I don't understand. Because it's funny is what I'm going to go with. Summer of Pierre. Yeah. So, I I mean, it's interesting because it was one of the main critiques that myself included, right? But but a majority of the fan base uh, kind of had when the Sabres were kind of commencing their rebuild that they didn't take on any bad money for futures. They didn't they didn't do it at all. Like they didn't take on one bad contract or get paid to do it. I think the, the, the one they did was they took Ben Bishop's salary for like a seventh round pick. Like it's just nonsense, right? Uh, but not weaponizing your cap, I feel is is the most hampering thing you can do for a rebuild. So kudos to you know Chicago for getting the futures. I will agree with Alex though that um, I think a contract like that absolutely warranted a first round pick, especially with no money retained. It's kind of crazy. Uh, you, you, they did Ottawa a very huge favor there. But TJ, to your point when you're a rebuilding team that's about to lose the faces of your franchise and you are most definitely tearing it down to the studs this summer, I mean, do you really care that much? Are you, are you just interested in collecting assets? So I don't think it was a, 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 a you know, a highway robbery by any means, but I do think Ottawa got away with a little bit, a little bit there. Uh, yeah. I, 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 I see the merit, what TJ is saying. It's, a win for Ottawa because they paid less than they should have. Mm-hmm. But it's also a win for Chicago because they just got, they basically paid $6 million for a second and fourth, fourth round pick. Right. That's exactly. That's rare. Good business out of the Chicago Blackhawks. It, it's money. They would have to spend otherwise. Cause they're going to be a floor team. Yeah. And that's another great point. They're not going to sniff the cap. So who cares? Well, I, I, I mean, they do have Seth Jones and his behemoth of a contract. What yeah. are Anthony? Did you think that was a good contract when it was signed? No, you did not expect it to be. A good he, he's not like casting aspersions that you you would have thought so. Like no, no, I don't think he is. Yeah, no, 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 I did not. Uh, very yeah, much were, not were, in favor of that. There, Weird. there are some out there that say Seth Jones is better than players like Mackenzie Weger or Eric Carlson, and uh, to me, that's preposterous. Crap, ragoon, things of that nature. I wonder if there was a stat that could have told us that you know Seth Jones was not good. Maybe multiple stats. Would they happen to be analytics-based, Anthony? I'm not sure what people expected. <laughs> expected by who? Hey! That, that was very heavy-handed of us, but like... So heavy-handed. We laid but, it on a real thick. that's how we do. We're not subtle. We're not subtle. <laughs> but this is this is like the, the, th- the four of us, I guess, are all analytics-based. Like, I, yeah. I, I mean, I'm probably the most eye test out of any of any of the four of us. I mean, I guess I don't know about you, Anthony, but like... I obviously believe in analytics, but it was just like Seth Jones is one of those where like, you just feel good. Cause it's like, you bang the table. It's like, this guy is not good. You don't want him. You don't want him. You don't want him. And then to just see it blow up in all the hockey men's face, like just, yes. I'll say Here's this. My hot take. The, the, oh, go ahead, uh, Anthony. No, it's okay. The only time I watched, let me, let me rephrase this. The only extended period of games where I felt Seth Jones was a really good defenseman was the uh, COVID bubble playoffs when they played in Toronto. 
because he was awesome, awesome in that series for Columbus. But like in general, not good. Like that's that was a rarity for him, right? He showed up for that series and he was fantastic. He was Columbus's best player, in my opinion. But like he doesn't do that often. And it almost felt like they paid him for that. You know, and name recognition, I guess. But but yeah, I mean, other than that, though, I can't think of a time where I was impressed by his game or thought he he deserved, you know, the hype he gets. But I will say to his credit that that playoff series was phenomenal. Yeah, I, I want to say like Seth Jones is probably like not very far away from being an average defenseman, like an average NHL defenseman. That's probably like, right. Is, is he a number four or or worse on most teams, like he'd probably be in the Panthers top four. Because it's just it's just not very good. He'd be he'd be in the Sabres top four too. Yeah. But again, yeah. but nine and a half million is right. just crazy for like three yeah. or four defensemen who well, is also probably about to get worse. You're you know, you're if you're paying nine and a half, that's your one A. Like that's your Rasmus Stalin. That's your that you know, that's your Eric Carl well, Eric Carlson is prime and, and this season somehow. Uh but though that's like your cornerstone guy, right? That's a Cal McCarr. Like yeah, you don't pay that for uh, just you know, yeah, he, he might be a top four defenseman on like half the teams in the league, but he's not paid like one. Those Those guys, makes nine and a half. You know, right. that's a guy like who needs to be by merit an all-star every single year. Like in reality, he's he's probably worth four to five million a year if if you're paying him like fair value. Yeah, there you right. go. So some team come with an offer like of a seventh round pick for Seth Jones, fifty percent retained, and it's it's kind of a win-win because that's that's a brutal contract for the yeah. Blackhawks. It's not Meanwhile, great. Columbus about to do it again, trading a Vladislav Gavrikov. Mm. How do they keep getting away with it? Gavrikov's good though. He's he's a good defensive defenseman. He's he's not I mean, well he's, rounded, but he's, he's in the in the same conversation as Seth Jones in that like fine enough player, but you're crazy to give him a first round give up a first round pick. Oh my god! Him. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I would never flirt with that. I'm just saying. I think he's. I think he has utility. I actually kind of like Gavrikov. Um, I feel that he's one of the more modern defensive defensemen, which I tend to value. Um, oh, there's value in that. Absolutely. But, uh, but no, you're right. He's, he's, I'd say he's fringe second, third pairing. Like he's, he's like, you could argue either way. Right. And you don't give up mm-hmm. a first for that guy. That that's crazy. It's bananas, mm-hmm. especially on a rental like that. But I don't think, I ultimately don't think they're going to get a first for him. To be honest, I think they'll well, get, I, I, my prediction is they get a second and a sixth or something like they'll get a, a, a second and then like a late pick or like a throwaway prospect. Like there's no way someone's giving up a first for him. It, isn't, isn't it more or less like an open secret that the Bruins and the Columbus have a trade like they, they've agreed to where Bru- the Bruins are giving up a first and a third for Gavrikov at like 25% or whatever. But the Bruins still have to move out money to make it work because that's something that I saw. I, I only think. saw that floated like in one spot. I don't. I, I and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just not. I haven't been on Twitter yeah, for the last that, few days. But I know that Portsline said that they he thought there was a deal in the works, but that something else needed to happen. He didn't say like Bruins. He didn't say first and a third. Okay, but he did kind of say what then came out, and you know this could be true. This could be totally fake, but. Uh, mm-hmm. Only credit me if I'm right, please. Only credit me if I'm right. I will. I'll, I'll tag you. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's been scratched, right? So I, I think a trade is is probably agreed to in principle. And if it is with the Bruins, I would like to discuss 
if I'm the Sabres, taking Mike Riley's contract off their hands so they can open up some space because I'm very interested in that because he would be an immediate upgrade to the third pairing uh, in Buffalo. Wasn't he waived multiple times this year? Just once, but uh, yeah, he. But but it's his salary because at the time he was waived, Alex. If my memory serves, there were only six teams in the NHL that had the cap space. Who, who could absorb him, right? And five of them were actively tanking. The other was Buffalo, and everyone was like, please claim him, please claim him. Then they didn't, right? So um, it's not a stunning development that he he cleared waivers for that reason. But if, you know, Boston retained half and did it for, like, future considerations or something, right? Because he's in the AHL right now. It's not like yeah. he carries a lot of trade value. I think Buffalo should be all over that because their third pairing and, and depth in general, anything beyond the third pairing is kind of not great. So... I'd be open to that. We have Mark Stahl. I don't want to hear about your depth. Okay. <laughs> can I <laughs> can I introduce you to Jacob Bryson or Kate? Well, Casey Fitzgerald's your problem now, but um, actually, Casey, he's not. He doesn't play. Yeah, he right, hasn't played right. again. Good. That's a blessing. Um, good, and I'm glad. Man. Like, it's a cool story that, like, you know, his dad played there. I was stunned that he got claimed. Like easily the worst saber this year, and it's not particularly close. Wow, dang! Didn't you say yeah. the same thing about Brandon Montour? And I'm saying sabers fans, not you specifically. So Brandon, Mont- by the way, Brandon Montour was bad here, but I mean that's Ralph Kruger. Everybody was bad under Ralph Kruger. So like, uh, yeah, sabers fans definitely said that, but like you could have applied that to 20 of the 22 people on the roster at the time. <laughs> it I wasn't that, a novel thing. I think that people think that. Paul Maurice is Ralph Kruger, by the way. Like, I guess he's get not as bad. Reading. He's, he's not he, as well, bad. He, one, he's not as bad, but like Ralph Kruger was the guy that wanted to lock it down and didn't let his defenseman roam. He didn't really like maximize the offensive potential of his roster. Whereas Paul Maurice, that's all he's concerned about. I mean, this team is defensively a sieve. Like, they, they give up so much, but on the other end, they get even more. They they have yeah. you know, the best XG four in the league, and they're only like a, a top five or six XG percentage team because they're below average defensively. But right. like Paul Maurice is is not Ralph Kruger. He really wants to score like five goals a game. Yeah, they're two they're two sides of the same coin. Like bad optimizers, but for different reasons. Um, yeah. But I mean, I, I think Paul Maurice is probably the most overrated name in coaching, if I'm going to be completely honest. However, he's the, the the bar to be better than Ralph Kruger is like somewhere in the molten core of the earth. So uh, he's he's definitely above that. Yeah, I mean, we're not the biggest Paul Maurice fans, but yeah, I, I, I agree with your uh, your thoughts here. Um, Paul Maurice is Dan Bilesma with Hockey Canada's PR arm, honestly. Oh, that stings because it sounds true. <laughs> hey, Dan Balasma has a cup ring. That Palmer he does. does that he does. Thanks, Sidney Crosby. All right, um, Anthony, we've taken up way too much of your time. Oh, um, I enjoyed every minute, Alex. Okay, we well, barely talked about actually relevant things. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, we need to merge on to another subject. Uh, Anthony, can you please just plug plug where our, our fan base can find you? Because if you want to know about other fan bases, Expected Buffalo is one of your best sources for Buffalo. Uh, I almost called you the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo Sabres <laughs> uh, information, Bills. especially analytics-based. So, Anthony, please plug yourself. Where can everyone find you? 
yeah, like Alex said, if you're into the written content, uh, we have articles up almost daily at Expected Buffalo between myself, Chad, and Eddie. Um, and if you want to check me out on Twitter, that's at Expected by Anth, A-N-T-H. And gentlemen, I really, really appreciate you having me on. I had a good time talking some Panthers and Sabres hockey with you guys, and I look forward to uh, Friday's game. Yeah, should be One last thing, one. Anthony. Yeah. Tage. Tage. How do we go this entire podcast without talking about Tage Thompson? I mentioned him in the young core, but yeah, we didn't really focus on him. Uh, Let, let's spend a second. I know we were going to wrap up. Yeah, that's okay. Okay. Because everyone has said, oh, the hockey men were right about Tage Thompson. No, they weren't. No, this was like the most shocking thing of all time, right? Uh, Alex, I have challenged maybe a dozen people to find me an NHL comparable historically to at his age with his amount of NHL games played to glow up like that in a season. It's unprecedented. It's completely unprecedented. And so now every time uh, the other side of that coin is anytime a young, say young ish saber is struggling, everyone's like, well, everyone wanted to quit on Tage Thompson. It's like, yeah, let's use that insane anecdote that's happened once in history as our benchmark for logical analysis. Um, but yeah, dude, he's he's something else, isn't he? I mean, last year he had a really good season and I think people had it in their heads like, yeah, OK, that's a long term to see, I think. Right. Maybe if he can replicate it. No, he's a number one center, man. He's legit. I mean, he just takes over games. I, credit to Don Granado for being the first coach to to permanently take him off the wing and let him maximize his range because um, his ability to maximize his reach and not be along the boards, right? Because you're, you're taking away 180 degrees of his range playing him on the wing, whereas down the middle, he has so much space to use his pterodactyl wingspan uh, that, that you know, he, he's become an optimized player. And, you know, credit to Alex Tuck, too, because I think Alex Tuck does his fair share of, of driving possession on that line. Uh, so he's been a really great fit for Tage and has only kind of helped facilitate uh, his glow up, right, so to speak. So um, really, really impressive player. And uh, that contract he's on seven by seven for a guy who's on pace to go get over 100 points this year is just insanely good value. So hats off to Kevin Adams there too. I'm I'm hearing a lot of Sam Bennett, you know, comparable things in like both like the fact that he just was not this kind of player before he came to Florida. And, you know, that, that glow up was totally like unprecedented or maybe not unprecedented, but definitely not predictable. And the fact that he was, you know, moved to center permanently was really the thing I, I I think unlocked his game because he's just he's not a winger he's just not if right. you watch him play you'd understand I I get it no I agree with you but that's um, that's one more reason why this is such an insane glow because normally it's a center who's struggling gets moved to wing and all of a sudden the game is simpler and he finds his groove in the NHL right you never see it the other way Steven around Stamkos. right like yeah. It's just all insane, like this whole Tage Thompson story. And like, you know, when that contract was first signed, I'm like, that's a pretty risky for a guy who was terrible and had one big year. But like you said, he's right. even better. And now that that contract looks like one of the best in the NHL. Yeah. And well, the interesting thing is, like, I mean, Bennett's a good example, but like 
what what's his highest point total in a season like 50 maybe right so i mean yeah he's he's your close example and that should tell you all you need to know about how unprecedented tage is right because like Mm -hmm. he went from I think he had like 20 points or something the year before last, right? Then 60 last year where it's like, okay, like cool. Like that's the second, that's like a middle six guy, like a high end middle six, second, second line guy. And now this year he's, he's on pace for over a hundred. It's like, okay, what's happening? This guy's just exploded out of nowhere. So uh, very, very cool. It's a lot of fun to have a unicorn like that in the league. Oh my God. Yeah. He had less than 40 combined points in his first three NHL seasons. And he's got 68 and 78 last year, and he's got 72 and 55 this year. Yeah. Yeah, that's absurd. Yep. Mm -hmm. All right. We've uh, really gone on way too long with this. Uh, Anthony, thank you so much for joining us. We will – I mean, we've been sneaking hints in throughout this podcast, guys, but we've got some pretty big news coming up. Uh, Hopefully we can announce it next week, but something we're really excited about. And I mean, um, hopefully we can announce it this week, but not on the podcast. No, it, I think it's going to be announced next week, TJ. Oh, way, okay. I'm sorry. Never mind. We'll delete that part. No, no it doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, we're we're uh, excited to share it with you guys. But thank you all for uh, joining us on this episode of Panther Proof for TJ Peterson and Jacob Langsam. I'm Alex Lopez. Thanks again, Anthony. Yeah, thank you guys. Appreciate you having me on.